if you haven't heard this song, you probably don't have a teen or young adult in your life. But this song has gone to number one in billboards. Two female rap artists have taken it to the top. And now that most of us have heard the lyrics, it's now important to just take a moment and listen. Listen to what's being said and then try to decide is this affecting us in any way? Uh, so, of course, my name is Zinni Moore. Uh, I am a marriage and family therapist by trade. I own the company Psychicle LLC, where we work with individuals, we work with couples, and we also provide sex therapy. Uh, so we're helping people for a variety of different reasons. It is also completely teletherapy, so you can actually get therapy from the privacy from uh, of your own home. And like that's our claim to fame. We like being able to provide that to everybody who needs it, especially during a pandemic. So that's fantastic. Specifically, sex therapy. Mm-hmm. And sex is one of those things that we all think about. Sometimes we talk about it, sometimes we worry about it, sometimes we have hang-ups about it, but I don't know how often we go and actually seek help about it. So, um, with our first come, you think it's rare? Yeah, and in fact, they kind of teach us that in school that most people aren't having these conversations. Most therapists aren't having these conversations. Um, when I was actually going or looking for a program, it was very difficult to find one that specialized in sex therapy. Um, at the time that I went to school, I only found one master's program that had a sex therapy track, and that was Jefferson. Oh, wow. So really oh, not talked about and not taught very much either. Really interesting when you understand that um, products are sold based on sex appeal. Um, we all want to, well, for most of us, I can't speak, say all, want to have a good sex life. Um, and yet there's issues. There are issues that we just, I, I, I mean, somehow we think that once we get a certain age, we should know how things work. We should understand, but it's, it's not that simple. Uh, that is something that I am probably telling clients on a daily basis. Like, there is this uh, a case of the shoulds. I should be over this by now. I should be this way by now. I should understand this. I should be able to do this, that, and the other. And anytime I hear that, I usually point that as uh, out as a cognitive distortion. Who says that you should? That's That's so true. So because we don't talk about it, we don't have a frame of reference of what's normal, what's abnormal. Am I having a problem? Am I not having a problem? And I think maybe people are using porn as their frame of reference. And that's kind of how we got to this topic. We started to wonder after, I think it was WAP. Yes. After (laughs) WAP came out, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, um, we started to wonder if um, sex lyrics inform the way people think about sex and how they behave. Mm -hmm. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that. Yes. So uh, we're going to confine it just to rap. And that's simply because there is so much content. So it's not as if this doesn't happen in other genres of music. In fact, research says that it happens in all of them, uh, except for rock, interestingly enough. Um, uh, So if anyone can think of a rock song that makes reference to sex, I find that really strange. I would think rock would be up near the top. I think it's just because uh, the references are so scarce. So Uh, it does happen, but pretty few and far between, which kind of makes sense, though, because if you're listening to, like, heavy metal and things like that, it's usually a lot of screaming. Uh, and <laughs> um, some of it is, uh, well, at least uh, for the bands that I remember, n- not very, like, touchy-feely, in-the-mood type music, at least to, from what I remember so of it. So listening kind of audience, if you can think of a rock song that reference, now, are we saying rock songs that reference sex or rock songs that um, 
or or just rock songs that talk about sex? I mean, what what is the criteria we're using here? Yeah, I think it's just talking about sex in general, okay. because uh, what they were comparing was like a sexual content, in in just in general. So if there was any sort of um, sexual content in there, and that it took it a step further with degrading sexual content, but they they found no correlation for either, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so we're going to limit it to rap songs. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is thank you to Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion uh, and WAP. All right. Um, so it's um, I am older than you, and so I may have the more conservative opinion about this. But please, I'd like to hear what you have to say. So. Originally, before I started to dig a little bit deeper, my very first thought was, no, the sexual explicit lyrics don't at all uh, interfere with a healthy sex life. Um, uh, if anything, it's just that it could kind of push boundaries or, or like it makes it seem as if things that may have been very much fringe are actually very prevalent and normal. Mm. Um, simply because mm -hmm. of how much it's being talked about in music. Mm -hmm. And the example that I uh, kind of point to is like the rise in anal sex and uh, Janae Ayako saying, uh, I want him to eat the booty like groceries. And then all of a sudden, um, people who may not have been into that have mm -hmm. now, well not anal sex, but pretty much um, licking someone's anus became really cool with that song. And that was not a mainstream thing from plenty of women that I chatted with until after that. Mm -hmm. I think uh, on the flip side, though, not with music, anal sex rose a whole lot simply because more porn started pushing it or started displaying it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that my very first thought was other than making it making things seem more normal, as long as you have a good frame of reference, like uh, particularly when it comes to like young people listening to this music, as long as your parent, your guardian, or your attachment figure is actually explaining um, sex is a responsibility and all of that good stuff, then all of these other messages that you're getting should be mediated by whoever is having conversations with you about healthy sex. And so my take was, no, it wasn't damaging at all. Um, well, the <laughs> research says I was not so right. Um, actually, so there's actually been research done quite a bit. Okay. And all of it says that, uh, well, I take that back. There is a couple of uh, studies that did not find correlations, um, but far more did than didn't. But of course, you know, with science, there's always going to be some that do and some that don't. Uh, so I would lean probably on the side of, yes, it can be damaging. Um, and that's simply because so many different studies said that it was. So uh, one of them found like uh, a frequent exposure to sexually explicit lyrics has a significant relationship to sexual cognitions. So particularly that was like, and I, so this is another thing that I thought was interesting because I, I didn't, some of these things I didn't recognize as sexual cognitions. And I don't know why I didn't think that. Like I just, I wouldn't have put them in the realm but they most certainly are. So can you stop? What do you mean by sexual cognition? Really just thoughts. Um, so like, uh, what's, a, what's a good one? Uh, women are sex objects. Or dating is a game. Like these are, this is kind of like my thought in regard to sexual relationships or interactions with others. Dating is the game is a huge one, particularly in rap and particularly with female rappers. There has been this rise of um, he has to pay me for this and do this or that or whatever and I'm just out here to get what I need to get from you. Mm -hmm. um, though most certainly men started that train um, and who I think I think it was Snoop Dogg who like said in the 90s we don't let them hoes and like things mm -hmm. of that nature where it was literally like women are commodities mm -hmm. um, and don't hate the player hate the game things mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. um, so this idea of the, the more sexually explicit the lyrics are 
the more people start to kind of feed into these thoughts that are mm. um that are that are kind of on front row or on display with the songs um now there were quite a few other things i think the other thing that's interesting to note is like a lot of these things were done with young younger populations so i wonder what it what the research would be like if we had adults who are a little bit more seasoned well that's interesting but you would think that they were once young and that they were influenced by whatever they were listening to. Um, it's, you know, I'm kind of, um, I have kind of mixed feelings when you talk about it depends on, you know, what else they're hearing from their parents and their family. And, but a lot of times you're not hearing anything. You're not hearing anything oh, from your parents. That's um, the worst a girl part, yeah. will hear the worst. You know, what a girl hears, don't come back, don't come home pregnant. And that's kind of the sum total of our sex talk. And so it leaves a huge gap. Right. And I think that what happens is in the absence of information, we look to these, you know, we look to porn, we look to these, the, the lyrics in these songs to guide our actions as to what is normal, as to what is acceptable. And I think that's a problem. I think that's a, I do think that's a that is a huge problem. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, it, there is that gap because a lot of parents, the talk, there's a reason it's like named the dreaded talk. <laughs> like it, it, it is uncomfortable. Um, uh, quite honestly, I was chatting with one of my siblings the other day and their son is around that age and they um, caught them having a, sexually explicit conversations with their girlfriend um but it's around the time where you would start saying those type of things um so I'm like okay well now you have to you have to talk to him about this and it was just kind of this oh ew I don't want to do that (laughs) um but if you don't uh, it's kind of the idea if you don't someone will so either music will start to influence them pornography will start to influence them which is a way different because pornography is literally like in your hand now everybody has a phone everybody can access it i remember in the 90s (laughs) the only porn that we had and i'm from atlanta so it may be different but the closest thing you could get was channel 99 and it never came in clear (laughs) so it was like super scraggly and you may see like a boob over here and maybe a butt cheek but you would never see the whole thing (laughs) um Kids these days have no idea the work we had to go through to kind of get a glimpse of something at 12. Um, so without that context, without being able to have that conversation, I think that actually drives a lot of this research is simply because there was one study that actually found uh, that, um, what was it? I, I think it was kids who had been in non-continuously intact homes that music um, mediated or moderated the relationship they had with risky sexual behaviors and the sexual uh, sex lyric content found in music. Mm. So it's kind of like you're already going through a tough time if your parents are splitting up or moving or things like that, and then you're turning to music to be a soothing force, but if you're choosing music that is sexually explicit, you might be a little bit more susceptible to risky sexual behaviors. So kind of this one-two punch. And that kind of leads me to what my other thought was, or or rather to my original thought of, yes, sexual lyrics can be damaging, or explicit lyrics can be damaging, but you can mediate that if people are chatting with you about healthy sex Mm. practices. Or at least that's my hypothesis. So, okay, question for you. It kind of brings us back to the question of, why do you think we dread talking about sex? Oh, because mm. it's our children. I mean, we, we don't mind talking about sex to our girlfriends and laughing about it and, you know, whatever. Uh, but I, why, why do we dread talking about it to, to our, our children? You know, I'm not even sure. I think... I, and now I'm going to kind of want to ask my sibling, like, well, what was the ew for? I've never even asked. And that's a really good that's question. 
I, I know that if I'm flipping it, because I, I also recognize that I don't have any kids, so I can't speak from that perspective, but from the up, the, the other side of things and chatting with my parents about things, um, I think that we're rather unique simply because um, my dad is very blunt and so you ask a question, you will get an answer. And there's just no way around that. So we, we also, I didn't grow up with those taboos around conversations okay. because I got them straightforward. Now, I will say that as I got them, I would most certainly be in my chair like, oh, ew, ooh, nasty. And I think a part of it is maybe the visualization of like, I do, I see you in the context of being my parent. And I do not want to see or, or recognize see your parents you as, like, as sexual. I do not want to see you as a sexual being. It's just and hard to reconcile that. it's interesting because I think part of the discomfort parents have, I speak as a mother of two daughters, is that you, you know, you have to wrap your head around the reality that these are sexual beings and what that means. And so you're struggling with their sexual beings and they're struggling with, I can't imagine my parents ever engaging in sex. And so, but the bigger question is, why can't we imagine this? I think it's because as a culture, we've made something, we've made sex this taboo and yet also highly sought after thing. Yes. Which is so I interesting. I um, agree. But also very American. I feel like, and that's like in personal belief, but I feel like to be a true American is to say that we absolutely oppose that and then do it. Um, we always have a, a portion of us who absolutely hate this and we have a portion that absolutely adore adore that. And I think that's kind of like our our claim to fame of like being being diverse, quote unquote, but having these collective of very differing ideas that don't always mesh well. And I think we put out there that we have these ideals and we're supposedly conservative and this is why we don't want to have um, uh, a, a sex education that is actually uh, in depth and going in and talking about all of these things in healthy and uh, comprehensive ways in our schools because we just don't want to expose our, our children to sex. However, um, on that same line, sex sells. So we're going to put it all across the media. We have no problem saying all of these sorts of things in TV shows and music. Um, uh, and we, it's not like pornography isn't free and available pretty much all the time. Strip clubs, all of that's cool. It's just we don't want to talk about it. It's not pleasant conversation, but it's literally in your face everywhere you go. All the time, right. Mm -hmm. So I believe that a fully actualized woman is a sexual being that understands her sexual power. And women have always understood that men want sex from them. And they can get things if they play their cards right, you know? Mm -hmm. And so women have, but there's a double standard there's a double standard to this thing, you know. Um, one of the things that I came across after we talked about sexual lyrics and is it does it inform, you know, attitudes and behaviors is that women who are now engaged, rap artists, female rap artists that are now doing it say, why are you looking at us? Why are you censoring us? And males have been doing this all the time for much longer than us, and no one seemed to have a problem with it. But when we do it, me meaning when we women do it, and mm -hmm. I'm really kind of focusing on black women, I'm thinking mm -hmm. about WAP. Mm -hmm. But before WAP, there was Foxy Brown, there was Salt and Pepper, there were, there were other artists that- Trim. Uh, tr um, Trina. Trina. Oh, Kim. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, there were other women who, who were not afraid to talk about their sexuality. Um, so what do you think about this double standard between it's okay for men to do it, but when a woman gets up there, and I think with a woman it's a lot more demonstrative, I mean, because you have the video and you have the body, you know, you have the, you know, the boobs and the, and the buttocks and everything showing where you don't, well, men show that in their videos, but it's, again, exploiting women 
The difference now is it's almost women exploiting themselves. I think that you're right. There's this, there's this, there is a double-edged sword. And I was actually chatting with a, um, a male friend of mine in kind of like um, in preparation for this talk. And I, I, I brought up this gender differences point. And in that conversation, what was interesting to that kind of floated to the top is um, it fall, it does very much fall along the same type of gender norms, which is that we kind of look at it as if women are something to be sought after and conquered in sex and how, while that isn't actually true, it is most certainly how a lot of people kind of have that belief. That women, say that again, please. Women are sought after and a kind of, uh, like, women are the conquered, men are the conqueror, quote unquote. Okay. So, like, <clears throat> I, I remember something that my grandma used to say, which was, like, it's a man's job, it's a man's job to ask, it's a woman's job to say no. And, like, those sort of ideals that have been, like, baked in for, for um, uh, our culture and, and that's exactly how the music breaks down. So when you listen to the to the music, it's the difference. It, they're both talking about very sexually explicit things. They are both talking about it um, pretty raw and hardcore, mm-hmm. yes. But the difference is the man is not talking about his own sexuality. He's always mm-hmm. talking about hers. He's always talking about how he did X, Y, and Z to her about how he's gonna do X, Y, and Z to her, about how she means nothing, about how her body looks to him, objectifying her in this way or that way. It's never, hey me, I'm a man and my penis is super big and super awesome because of this way and I look at my six pack and I'm so great over here. That's not usually what it is. It is still about her body, her sexuality, and just how he owned it or obtained it or borrowed it for a moment. moment. And now, this script has been flipped. Right now, and you now, have women talking about, "I'm, I'm, I'm taking. You know, I'm in control of this situation." So what's interesting now is they're running the same script. They're just now talking for themselves. It's not even flipped because she's not saying, "Oh yeah, um, I'm gonna do X, Y, the X, Y, and Z to your penis and on your body and this like blah blah blah." It is usually just. It's more of like. Uh, well, like, if we're using WAP as the example, when she's like, um, what's a, a good piece here? Gobble me, swallow me, drip down inside of me. All of that is not, he is still doing it to her. It is not, I am doing this to you. Um, and, oh, right, and if even Cardi B's part, spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. This pussy's wet, come take a dive. She's not... She's inviting you to come to her. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. But I was thinking that um, there were some lyrics to the effect that say, I'm going to do this to you and I'm going to make you weak. And by the time I get finished, you're going to buy me a Birkin bag. <laughs> yes, there is some of that as well. <laughs> you know, um, it's like, um, I'm going... To, so even though he may be doing the act Mm -hmm. I'm in control I'm the woman in control and I have and that's where the script has been flipped before women were subjected to male and male fantasy Mm -hmm. and this may be the equivalent of a female fantasy I hope not actually but this may be the equivalent of a female fantasy um which would be um, which gets to my point that there is sex and then there's intimacy. Oh, very much so. And I'm not sure if people are making a distinction between the two. And maybe what people really want is intimacy. Intimacy that comes as a result of being in a very vulnerable and exposed position with another person you know and I think none of that that whole aspect of intimacy and getting to know someone all of that is just lost all of that's just lost in these lyrics and they go for you know um, 
extremes to, you know, kind of, you know, the more outrageous things are, the more they get noticed, the more they get talked about, and the less the less real it becomes and the less attainable it becomes, you know? So then you have young girls listening to this and they're hearing about different body parts and different activities, but the whole aspect that, you know, there might be a relationship and there could be intimacy and there could be something more than just a, a sensation is just lost. And that's the part that bothers me with things like WAP. No, most certainly. I will say that that is not in there at all. So your really, really sexually explicit songs don't usually... Actually, I take that back. It's in these examples because I most certainly... If we're going over to R&B, there are pretty explicit songs but there's still a loving piece in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Tank is a really good example of like having some very explicit lyrics, but then also being like this crooner of like, yeah, I just talked about flipping you upside down and knocking things off of the nightstand while we're having sex. But also, um, uh, you're the coldest. Like, you're the most yeah. beautiful woman ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he can, he can switch it up. And I do think that uh, there is that diversity um, so I, I, I think it's also important to note that just as you can have a sexually explicit song that's kind of like really in your face and out of the box, you can also have songs that do speak to the intimacy piece. And that if we're talking WAP, Cardi B has a song called Be Careful With Me, where uh, she's literally like saying, hey, I, I love you and I care about you. You're doing some suspect things. I'm be careful with my heart. I'm a person. Like I, I need mm -hmm. to be cared for. Mm -hmm. um, it's just mm -hmm. a different trap. Mm. Okay. Wow. I mean, I think back. Like you said, none of this is new. I think back. I keep going back to like salt and pepper. Let's talk about sex. Oh. <laughs> you In know, comparison uh, to these, that was tame. That's very <laughs> tame. But I mean, they say that. Um, we need to talk about this. And, and I think that's absolutely right. We need to talk about this. We need to um, give people realistic, I don't want to see expectations, or a realistic understanding of what's involved here, you know? And, and if you're going into a, uh, a, I don't want to say a relationship or an encounter with someone, you should know. You should know in your mind if if it's just sex or is this a, a relationship that wants to have an element of intimacy to it. Right. And then when do you feel violated and when is it okay, you know? And is everything up for grabs? And just because you hear about someone licking some body part, does that mean that's something for you to do, or the more outrageous it is, the better. I mean, so it's, those are the kind of conversations that need to be had somewhere, but there's this big gap, and no one's really saying, okay, yeah, you have the, you have the, you have the music, you have the porn, you have all these explicit things, but what really happens, you know? It's like, uh, <laughs> I think of the analogy of driving a car and being a, ra a racetrack driver. You know, they're two different things, you know? Um, there are some basic things that they share in common, but they're really two different things, and they have two different purposes, and they're for different outcomes, and, and you have to take all of that into consideration. Very true. And um, I wholeheartedly agree, without those conversations in that gap, people are getting lost and don't understand that both of these, like, it, it, it's perfectly fine to do what what is in these lyrics if that is what you want to do. If that is how you own your sexuality, I'm a big don't yuck somebody else's yum type of gal, go ahead and have fun with it. But recognize that it's not the only way, it's not the end-all be-all, and you can very much go for intimacy if you want to. They are separate things, mm -hmm. um, and I love that distinction. You just have to decide what you want. And that's a, another tough thing that can kind of follow along gender lines. 
um, particularly because you'll often find that a lot of women aren't asking for what they want. Um, uh, And so then it kind of falls into, well, yes, there's an intimacy difference. Yes, there's a just sex difference. But how if you are unsure of what you want or if you're unsure of whether if I ask for what I want, I'll be able to get it the distinction begins to matter even less because you're not choosing it. Um, and that becomes a toughie too. And that's actually something I see a lot in my practice. I was going to say, and so these are the people much. that will become your patients. Right. It's a, it, And because you've ended up in a situationship. I really care about this person. I want to be with this person. We're just having sex. I don't know how we got here. Mm-hmm. Well, you weren't clear with what you wanted. Or this person has clearly gave you signs that they do not want what you want but you're hoping that they will Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you think it's just a maturation process do you think that when you're in your teens or early 20s you're just impressionable and that um it's just about sex and then as you get older and you start to want to have that maybe permanent relationship where that one-on-one then that intimacy piece kicks in I think yes and no (laughs) so uh, very much so I do think a big part of that it is attributed to like just maturation uh, because the older you get uh, the more you stumble you fall uh, and you uh, essentially I call it getting angry like, if you spend a lot of time in your younger years uh, basically taking crap from whoever you're sexually interested in, it's simply because you, you weren't aware of your own boundaries or you were getting intimacy and uh, just sex com- uh, confused, then at a certain age, for a lot of people, it becomes, you know what, I'm tired of this. And so it's either going to be, I am going to start being really assertive where mm. I said what I said, and either you're here or you're not. And that's how you'll kind of get it into people saying, oh, uh, that woman is super stuck up or that guy is super stuck up. No, he now knows what he wants. She now knows what she wants. And she's telling you exactly what it is. You can meet it. You can go. That's what it is. And like that's a healthy way to deal with it. There are also people who will go the other way and then just become aggressive or shut down. I've been through too much. I'm never doing this again. All men are dogs. All women are hoes. Whatever. I'm out. Um. But hopefully there's the healthy way to mature through that. Um, But I will say on the flip side, I have also heard, and I think that this may, which you could probably tell me a little bit more about, uh, maybe the uh, biological component, I've heard from women in their late 30s, early 40s, talking a little bit about as if it's a, a switch, or no, 30s, I think it's right, where they're talking about, um, in their younger years, they enjoyed sex. They wanted it. But they now have this desire that was not like it was before. It's almost uh, like a light switch went on and it's like all the time. Yes, I can do that. <laughs> um, so I think in, in that regard, I've actually heard of quite a few women in that age group who are like, yeah, I don't want intimacy from you right now. I legitimately just want sex and then I want you to go home. And it's simply like, it seems to be very much a hormonal thing of, it reminds me almost uh, of how um, young men will chat of where I just, I really want to uh-huh. get laid in college. Uh-huh. Um, and now it's flipped for older women. <laughs> I think there is a degree, but female sexuality is so complicated. Very much And so, so nuanced. And I wonder if part of the reason that there are a substantial number of women who don't orgasm is partly because we've never learned to prioritize our own sexuality. You know, it's either to be subservient to the the whims and fantasies of men that we don't even know what we like, or we don't feel that, you know, we have the right to ask or to have ourselves treated or in a certain way because it is not uncommon for women to say of all ages that they have difficulty um, orgasming they have low sex drives but when you look around everything is sexualized 
you know, how does that happen, you know, and how does that make that woman feel when she knows that she's operating in a world where people um, value what she can do for a man more so than how she can please herself. Um, That's a good one. One, you're spot on. Female orgasmic disorder is one of the things that I love chatting about. Um, and research shows that, yes, you're right. Um, there are a, a piece of this is this feeling of I can't actually ask for what I want. Another piece of this is legitimately I don't know what I want. And there are studies mm -hmm. that will show that female sexual exploration starts later than boys. Um, so mm -hmm. young girls are just trying things out later than young men are trying them out. So when you think of it, if you've had this equipment pretty much your whole life, but somebody's got like a two-year head start on how to use it, uh, of course, uh, the guy is going to be better equipped to tell you that I like how my, I like my penis to be touched this way because yeah. he's been playing with it for several years and you started a little late. Do you think these lyrics are liberating in that sense? Meaning it's giving women the, um, the, the power to say what they want or to ask for what they like. I would like to think that they do, but I don't believe that they do. Some of them, yes, and some of them, no. And I would say because more often than not, I'm... Yeah, more often than not, I am hearing it compared to obtaining something, which isn't an actually which isn't about your pleasure. Right. It is just like I am giving this to you in exchange for something else, right? Simply because I feel like I'm worth this something else, or, right. or, or no, well, no, it's even deeper than that. I'm doing that because I want a Birkin bag, right? Because the Birkin bag will make me feel like I'm special. You know, it's like on my own, you know, naked to the world, I may not feel like I'm worthy. But if I can do this thing and you buy me a Birkin bag, then I know I'm somebody. I think it's, or at least from chatting with some, and this may be different, but in chatting with uh, some sex workers, what I'm usually hearing it is kind of one of those, men are going to do this anyway. And like literally they they are the consumers of all of this and so if if a man is going to do x y and z i am going to take advantage of that like you want to sleep with me and you think that you're using me oh no honey i'm using you like you came like i came to your house i slept with you and then you bought me a ticket home i didn't do nothing <laughs> like it's like owning this thing instead of like feeling like i've been used and you took something from me, I took something from you. I won this battle, not you. Um, and that's kind of how I hear it being talked about. And in that regard, eh, I get it. I mean, it, I, I get that. I don't knock it. Um, so I think that, that those two things are also going in with female orgasmic disorder. Um, and then I think the other piece no, I think those are your two main ones. Uh, legitimately, the concern of not being able to ask uh, the other thing of uh, literally just not knowing exactly uh, what you like simply because you've had a little bit less exploration. I think the other thing is uh, stereotyping or not stereotyping, um, myths. So there's this idea that women's bodies are super complex and uh, like it's so hard to make a woman come. No, it's not. <laughs> like... Bless you. Um, it, it's not difficult if you're listening to the woman. <laughs> like, if, if you just chat with the woman who has the vagina and you talk to her about what her vagina likes. If she knows. But see, I've heard that as well. And my very next question or my very next statement is, great if she doesn't know. Guess who has a fun time figuring it out? And I don't know why that's not everybody else's answer. Because that seems like the funnest time ever. Like, I am unsure of what I like and what I don't like. Let's get in the bedroom and figure it out with somebody I love or I care about or somebody who I just have a trusting sexual relationship with. Go do it. Have fun with it. Yeah. But that doesn't happen. Often. It does not. And so where, what, what is the hang up there? 
I mean, I, I feel good enough about you that I'm willing to take my clothes off. I feel good enough about you that I'm willing to engage in this activity. But I stop there. I'm not going to tell you what really makes me feel good. Oh, there's so many things. Um, so I think that, and this part isn't uniquely a woman's experience. Uh, this can, can happen also just with any time people like certain things. That there's a possibility of rejection and shame. If I say that I like, you know, a, a finger in my bottom and that's what I really helps me get there, what will he think? Uh, what type of woman would I be? Um, same thing for, uh, and it kind of goes deeper into, when do I sleep with this person? Should I be like depriving mm -hmm. myself of my own uh, sexual sure. uh, pleasure simply because right. I don't want him to think that I'm easy? Like all of these things literally put your sexuality in a box because you can't ask for them because you're afraid of rejection. That's well, disgusting. I don't want to do that. Well, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with mm -hmm. that. But I think that happens a lot because sex comes so early, meaning that if, you know, we have a relationship and I have a comfort level with you, then it becomes easier for me to start to share those things that feel a little more private and personal. But if we go from hello to let's go to the bedroom, then I have to like, uh, you know, be more measured in how I say what I want or present myself. So that's so interesting. I would actually say that it's usually the other way around in my experience. What do you mean? Uh, just like kind of how, uh, I will note that people will come to me and say, gosh, it's so easy to talk to you. Well, of course it is. You have no ties to me. Mm. So I, I literally just showed up. You don't know me from Adam, which means even if I do judge you, who cares? You don't mm. know me. Mm. Um, now, granted, I am, of course, I am a therapist. It is literally in my job description not to judge, and I am very much that way um, in personal and in, uh, in my work life. But in relationships with other people uh, there is no guarantee with that so of course going into it not knowing you from adam can actually be a good thing because if you do cast a judgment i don't care i don't respect your judgment i just met you and i'm only sleeping with you you are of no significance but oh, if I, I think there's two there's two there's two um possibilities there there's the woman that's just having sex for sex mm -hmm. and i have i place no value on a long-term relationship mm -hmm. it's just in the moment for the pleasure mm -hmm. okay and for that woman i could see i can be very free mm -hmm. because there is no consequence i don't see any long-term consequence mm -hmm. to um to being as as freakish as i might want to be but I say that if you're, and maybe this doesn't happen, mm -hmm. except in the quote-unquote mature relationships mm -hmm. where um, we want to know each other, you know? We want to know each mm -hmm. other. We want to have, it, and I'm, I go back to that intimacy. Mm -hmm. If we're going to have an intimacy, that means you have to be into me. You have to know what I like and I have to know what you like and I can only know that if you tell me I can't guess it you know I can't you know you know look into your eyes and tell you have to tell and so I think that um I think intimacy is a challenge I mean it's it's one of those things that doesn't come easy and it's not automatic which makes sex more appealing in a lot of ways because I don't have to work as hard if all it is is about sex you know yep. it's a physical act this goes there and that should happen and then this should be the result end of story yep intimacy is not like that you know no nope, you have and to it's a that. lot more it's a lot more getting naked actually when you're talking about intimacy than when I'm just you know if you need to be vulnerable to be intimate and not very many people really want to do that or rather it's not even that you want to do that because I feel like lots of people want intimacy I want to be able to connect with you
but being vulnerable can be very scary because yes. I am now opening up myself to heartache. Yes. Um, rejection. Rejection. Yes. And all of that just makes it tougher. Yeah. And so I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think both things happen. I think, um, and I'm not, I couldn't even make a um, guesstimate or an estimate of how much one does. Most certainly, if you sleep with someone early in the relationship and then you want to kind of go into a relationship then I can see where you might feel like I have to be more tempered to pull back these things. Mm -hmm. I also recognize that if this is an older relationship, um, it, it also depends on what some of these people are thinking. Because I, I've, I've also heard with some uh, older men and women uh, who will say that I, I don't have time for games anymore. Mm -hmm. He knows it, I knows it, and I know it. So yes, we slept together early, but we knew that this was going to be something. And we continued to get to know each other just fine, and it was never an issue because we knew we weren't here for games. Yeah. Um, and so that's also fine. Yeah. I'll note on the other end when people uh, will say that it's easier to sleep with someone from jump because I don't care about our yeah. feelings or whatever. I want you to be just that. Yeah. Um, what happens, though, is when you are in this relationship with someone that you do really care about, you've decided to wait or, or whatever that may be, and you guys uh, do actually have a sexual encounter, whatever this person has thought of you, whatever um, idea they have created or image of you they have in their head, now that you are having sex, let's say that you do like something that is incongruent with the idea of how you presented yourself, how do you ask that now? Yeah, it's, it's so, I mean, the more we talk, I just think of all these scenarios and situations that we find ourselves in. Um, there's a significant number of sexless marriages, marriages that and go death. on for years and years and zero sex. And so um, I think it just highlights the point that it's, it is a truly complicated uh, topic for all of us, a very sensitive topic for all of us, and that few of us probably really, I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can try to put a, a percentage or a number to it, but just given the level of dysfunction, given the degree of pornography, given the level of um, people just not talking to their children, you think that you would think that it's a prevalent issue that it would have to be a prevalent issue in the hearts and minds of people you know and in relationships so what's interesting is i think it is it's like the worst kept secret <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's literally everywhere but we don't really have these like heart-to-heart -heart real conversations we have like these uh, you can have a pseudo conversation with your friends of like, yeah, I slept with this person or that yeah. person. It was yeah. good. It was yeah. bad, but yeah. not like really bearing of the soul of or, or like my partner does X, Y, and Z, and I don't know what to do about that. Like that's usually not happening. It's right. just this really surface level of all the hot parts of sex and none of the parts of sex that actually take work to make sex be enjoyable and a beautiful and connecting right. experience. Right, right. And just maybe, maybe these song lyrics and maybe even this porn creates an opportunity for conversation. You know? If you're ready to have it. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're ready to, to explore, and if you're ready to um, not just accept what's on the surface and see if you can make it something meaningful for you, um, I would think that, uh, I mean, because even if you uh, listen to the lyrics, and we all do, you know, they're titillating, you know, you laugh, you uh, joke about it, but how much do you take to heart, and how much do you try to practice, you know? I mean, you know, you got people of all ages trying to twerk, you know? You got people of all ages that will see something and then try to replicate it in their life, you know? Thinking that, you know, if I see Beyonce do it, then, you know, I'm going to try to do it too. Or if I see Cardi B, I'm going to try to do it too. But, you know, it, it doesn't always translate <laughs> into what you might expect in your own reality. And so I guess that's 
that's where you get the opportunity to go deeper. Right. Definitely. I, I think it it can start a conversation if you actually are ready to do so. I think it also kind of noting what you're hitting on is it could also lead to exploration. And I think exploration isn't bad if you're of age um, and you know yourself. Like, you know mm. that this is who I am as a person. I'm trying this. I may like it. I may not. Who knows? It's perfectly cool. But if you go in there thinking, yeah. Cardi B is right. I'm going to do this because that's how, you know, we get back at men or that's how we get back at women. If you're listening to some of the, uh, the male rappers, um, if that's your main, your idea and going in it, you've already lost yourself. So it's no mm. longer exploration. It is just trying to do what someone else is doing. And that may not be for you. And I think that's where things can get jumbled or where you can end up feeling really hurt or having uh, ending up uh, with some really negative views of sex uh, or others um, because you weren't actually true to your own experience or what your own thoughts were and you literally just replicated something that you heard off of the radio right so I'm back to this parenting thing if you're a parent and you have a child that's coming of age as a sex therapist, what would you suggest that you say to that child about sex? Well, I, I believe that sex education is actually tiered. So it's, or stages, whichever. So you should actually be having sexual conversations pretty much from young, young. And it doesn't actually start off with like penis and vagina, uh, like intercourse talk. It legitimately can start off with just these are our anatomical body parts and using the proper names for body parts uh, simply because heaven forbid anything happens to your child in a sexually um, dangerous manner. Uh, they, the child can accurately tell any adult this happened to me and that adult will understand mm -hmm. um, simply because sometimes if we're using nicknames for things mm -hmm. and the, the child says something happened to like my cookies or whatever, the another adult might not know that that's what you guys call um, private parts. So starting off with things like that, bodily autonomy conversations can start to come around when uh, you're little as well and that your um, kids are maybe going to school or things like that. This is your space. Nobody's allowed to touch your body mm -hmm. unless you want them to. You don't have to hug that relative or that mm -hmm. friend if you don't want to because it's your body. Mm -hmm. Things like that are slowly but surely like planting seeds of, I am me, I am separate from what else is coming in, and I'm allowed to make these choices on my body. And that's great, like it's a wonderful scaffolding, because when you do get to the, the conversations about dating and about actual sex, then you're just building off of the bodily autonomy, uh, autonomy that you've already taught your child. Mm -hmm. um, I think that you have a conversation, or how that conversation would go is... Uh, building off of that and noting that this is what other people are doing like this is what those song lyrics are and maybe that woman is indeed doing those things maybe she's not because also cardi b's married <laughs> so um the other piece is uh, recognize that some of this may be just for entertainment mm -hmm. some people may actually be doing this like i am pretty sure that city girls did some of that stuff <laughs> like um and that is what they want to do, and that's how they feel empowered. Some women do feel very empowered in their sexuality. Other women do not. You get to choose what type of woman you want to be. Mm. Sex is a responsibility. Mm -hmm. Same thing to your sons, of course. You get to choose what kind of man you want to be. I know when I was younger, like, the song was Uchi Wali Wali, and it was... <laughs> like, and so is the video. Um, but... Also having those conversations, these men, this is how they're talking to women and things like that. Recognize that there will be women in your life. You have a mother, you have a sister, you may have a daughter. Is that how you want to be? Is that the man that you want to be? You can. Just, it's your choice. Know that that's, that's now on you. Um, and teaching sex is a responsibility instead of something dangerous or blah, 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 shows that it can be handled with care. And it's not something to be scared of. You can choose to be irresponsible. Being irresponsible can lead to babies. It can lead to STDs. Um, and that's what that could lead down that road if you choose to be irresponsible. 
if you choose to be responsible, you're having safe sex, uh, not as many partners, or if you are having uh, more more partners, making sure that those partners are also safe, like they had, uh, they've actually been tested and things like that, then fine. Uh, and I feel like that's a really good way to have that conversation, of so course, depending is, on... Yes, I, I didn't mean to cut you sure. off. Sure. So, you know, and we do this when we talk about sex, we talk about the S. STIs, the sexually mm -hmm. transmitted infections, and pregnancy, and mm -hmm. and we should. I mean, mm -hmm. people should be aware of it. But do we ever talk about, or is there ever a role to say, this is how you pleasure a woman? Yes. Male, this is how you pleasure a woman. Male, this is how, these are the things that you, that will enhance your pleasure. Women, this is how you pleasure a man. Women, these are the things you can do that will enhance your own sexual pleasure. Is there a role for that type of education? And is that the parent's responsibility? So, I would say yes. Um, and I would say that it that one should come the step before you're talking about sex as a responsibility. Because that one goes straight into just your own body talk. So... Uh, I think that's the kind of the conversation you may have around masturbation, um, where yes, sex is a pleasurable thing. This clearly feels good to your body. I am not going to say that it's bad for you to do this because it is a normal behavior. I am not going to say that sex in and of itself is bad or masturbation is bad. No, all of these things are, again, completely normal, and it's because it is indeed pleasurable. And that's how you kind of have conversations about it. I feel like that's a wonderful segue into it. The masturbation talk and how sex can be pleasure is a, a really good way to have that chat. And then the sex is a responsibility is kind of just layered on top um, because pretty much when you look at a, a lot of things that are pleasurable also come with things to make sure that they're not harmful. Mm -hmm. Like um, if you're chatting with your 16 year old or your 15 year old looking to get their license, it's like, yay, driving, it's wonderful. I can pick up my friends, great. Driving is really pleasurable. It is really cool. It's mm -hmm. also a responsibility. Mm -hmm. you, you put them both, um, and thank you for noting that because that is very true. You do need to put them both because if you just only preach on the fact that it's a responsibility uh, and leave out the fact that it's pleasurable, it does get this connotation, this like a, this, uh, not negative connotation because I like using the word responsibility other than um just going straight into sex is bad and uh, mm -hmm. these are all the bad things that can happen. Mm -hmm. um, but it can still feel heavy and maybe disconnected to younger kids without noting that other, the other piece. Oh, we could go on and on and on because it's, it's like an onion, you know, the more you peel back the skins, there's something else to discuss. Um, so tell people, we're, we're almost at the end of our hour, mm -hmm. tell people where they can find you um, and anything else that you want to share at this time. Sure. Um, oh, this is fun. I do. We should definitely come back some more. We, we, um, yeah, this, there needs to be a part three, a part three, three, four. four. We could literally just break down the male piece for this as well. Absolutely. Um, because I, I didn't mean to interrupt, because someone needs to talk about this. If, right. if, we're, if the parents aren't talking about it, and the only thing that people have to look at or hear are rap lyrics and look at porn, there's a huge gap. And we, I mean, obviously some people may need to see a therapist, but maybe some people just need to know, get some education. So I, I, I totally agree that there needs to be more more of this definitely more conversations and uh, adding to that there are really awesome websites that literally break down age group sex uh, sex ed and walk parents through this is what you will talk to about four and five this is what you mm. talk about six and seven so you can literally just use that as a blueprint if you're really nervous that way you don't have to uh, wing it on your own and uh, I think that that's a really good setup for uh, your kid and for yourself Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that, uh, well, no, I'll leave that back. It helps with calming your nerves and all that good <laughs> stuff. I feel like that's a good roundabout way. Uh, so to reiterate, uh, my name is Zinni Moore. Um, my company is Psychicle LLC. And so I've realized that that's a bit of a tongue twister. 
Um, so you would spell it P-S-Y-C-H-C-I-C-L-E. Um, and it's a play on words because psychology is cyclical. We find that, uh, or at least I, I truly believe, we end up uh, uh, getting into patterns whether we want to or not and a uh, key to being able to move forward in life or uh, deal with the adversity and things better is recognizing what those patterns are and breaking them which is how come my tagline is some cycles are meant to be broken so of course you can find us at www.psychcycle.com